And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Ian Richard is an investigative journalist, the network television reporter, news director, and former number one rated national talk show host in New Zealand and very sought after international talk show guest. Ian, welcome to Coast to Coast. How are you, sir? Hi, I'm Ian Wishart, and this is Talking Matters, a show that goes beyond the headlines, tracking the cultural pulse of the country and the world. This is Talk Radio for Grown-Ups. Join us in just a moment. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. You are about to hear an actual audio recording of U.S. President George Bush. The progress we and our friends and allies seek in the broader Middle East will not come easily. Now listen carefully to a portion of the same recording played backwards. The story within the story. Investigate magazine. You're listening to Talking Matters, the Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Stimulating talk radio. Hi, I'm Ian Wishart. This is Live365.com, the Talking Matters Show. And uh, welcome aboard for another episode. Uh, in today's show, we examine the aftermath of the Umpqua College shooting in the USA. It's brought predictable calls for gun control, and some of those concerns are valid. But I've got a show today that might just make you question whether the answers are as simple as the media and President Obama suggest. Does gun control work, or is it a false solution being sold to the public for another reason? In this program, we'll go over some facts and figures about gun violence, and you'll hear an unmissable interview with gun control advocate Philip Elpers. If you believe in gun control, you need to hear this interview. Also in the program, a roundup of the latest climate change news, including a new scientific discovery casting some major doubt on the theory of global warming. Still in science, Google wants to literally get inside your head by merging artificial intelligence with humans to make us quote-unquote godlike. And the VW emission scandal just got deeper today. Find out which four major car manufacturers have just been caught out, as lawyers suggest Volkswagen owners could be in line for thousands of dollars in compensation. We'll have all the details later in the show. Stay with us on Live365.com, The Ian Wishart Show, Talking Matters. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Full speed ahead with Epson's workforce range of multifunction printers. The world's fastest two-sided printer, built to perform and to save. With up to 50% lower running costs than an equivalent colour laser and up to 70% lower power consumption. Whether you need a fully featured A3 printer, copier, scanner or an A4 model, Epson's workforce range has the right one for you. Visit epson.co.nz. That's E-P-S-O-N.co.nz. Exceed your vision with Epson. 170 years ago, two huge sailing ships carrying 790 Scottish migrants set sail from Glasgow for far-off New Zealand, carrying the hopes and dreams of the old country to the new. When they arrived four months later in a place called Auckland, they found themselves fighting for their survival in a strange new land, unable to return home. Most would never see Scotland again. 
now in the new book Our Stories. Award-winning journalist and best-selling author Ian Wishart traces the history of the Scots who forged a new life and built a new country in the South Pacific. Our Stories, the most fascinating book you'll read this year, from Amazon or ianwishart.com. Broadcasting globally to listeners in the USA, New Zealand, UK, Australia, Canada and Ireland. This is Talking Matters, the Ian Wishart Show, talk radio for grown-ups. Welcome back, I'm Ian Wishart. Ten people, including the shooter, were killed this week at a community college in Oregon in yet another mass shooting in the USA. The tragedy has brought with it the usual debate. On the one hand, there are those like President Obama who argue the need for stringent gun control. There's been another mass shooting in America, this time in a community college in Oregon. That means there are more American families, moms, dads, children, whose lives have been changed forever. That means there's another community stunned with grief and communities across the country forced to relieve their own anguish and parents across the country who are scared because they know it might have been their families or their children. In the coming days, we'll learn about the victims, young men and women who were studying and learning and working hard, their eyes set on the future, their dreams on what they could make of their lives. And America will wrap everyone who's grieving with our prayers and our love. Our thoughts and prayers are not enough. It's not enough. It does not capture the heartache and grief and anger that we should feel. And it does nothing to prevent this carnage from being inflicted someplace else in America. Somehow this has become routine. The reporting is routine. My response here at this podium ends up being routine. The conversation in the aftermath of it, we've become numb to this. This is a political choice that we make. To allow this to happen every few months in America. We collectively are answerable to those families who lose their loved ones because of our inaction. May God bless the memories of those who were killed today. May he bring comfort to their families and courage to the injured as they fight their way back. And may he give us the strength to come together and find the courage to change. Thank you. So that's President Obama. But then there are those who say gun control doesn't work, that guns don't really kill people, it's people who kill people, and you can't legislate for that because if it wasn't guns, it'd be some other weapon. They have a point in the case of the Umpqua shooting because the school itself, the college, was a gun-free zone. It had a rule. Let me read it to you. Possession, use, or threatened use of firearms, including but not limited to BB guns, air guns, water pistols and paint guns, 
or ammunition, explosives, dangerous chemicals, or any other objects as weapons on college property, except as expressly authorised by law or college regulations, is prohibited. Now, what that means is that students at the college were not allowed to bring guns to the college. This, despite the fact that Oregon has uh, pretty liberal gun laws and allows people to carry firearms in a concealed fashion. Uh, in this particular case, though, the school was a gun-free zone, much like the Virginia Tech uh, a few years back, which we'll come to in a moment. Uh, it was also a gun-free zone. Now, the impact of that is that if somebody does go nuts with a gun, nobody else is armed and capable of taking them on. And as some commenters on Facebook made the point, uh, I still can't believe gun-free zones exist. There is zero logic behind it, says uh, a Chris Guy responding to the, um, the latest shooting. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. He could just as easily have taken a knife, sword, bat, chainsaw, hedge clippers, Molotov cocktail, lead pipe. I mean, the list is endless. Also, banning guns only stops law-abiding people from having guns. Criminals aren't going to be like, OMG, it's against the law to have a gun, I better throw this away and rob that liquor store with something legal to own. It's a good point. Because there have been other mass shooting attempts in the USA and elsewhere around the world where people have intervened who have been armed. And those mass shooting attempts have ended after the loss of only one or two lives, not 10, not 30 lives, not 32 lives, such as Virginia Tech. When the Virginia Tech uh, massacre happened back in 2007, where 32 people died, I was uh, writing for Investigate magazine and I did an article, a feature article on that, and I did an interview with uh, Philip Alpers, who's a gun control advocate now. Phil Philip Alpers was a New Zealand journalist at one point. He became a university professor and a gun control lobbyist. He set up uh, gunpolicy.org and he's been uh, very vocal in the United States, Australia, New Zealand and elsewhere on gun 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 crimes uh, and gun control, the need for a stripping uh, possession of weapons from the public. So we'll come to an interview with uh, Philip Alpage that I did after Virginia Tech, and it's uh, still current today because the issues are exactly the same. But let's look at one of the stories that I wrote on uh, the Virginia Tech massacre because we did look at this issue of, of gun control and whether it actually works. Now, if you think about it this way, if you think of it as a parabolic curve, you know, where the, where the line never really meets the final line of the graph no matter how much effort you put into it the parabola just doesn't touch and gun controls like that because you can squeeze the public as much as you like you can enforce the laws as much as you like but you'll never ever account for the one nutter out there who doesn't care about the law doesn't matter how much effort you put in on the general public doesn't matter how strong your laws are somebody who wishes to uh, inflict harm on other people is certainly capable of doing that and in the case of uh, the Oregon shooting, that's exactly what happened. The shooter had a hatred of Christians. He asked the students before he shot them, are you a Christian? If they said yes, he shot them in the head. If they refused to answer or said no, he shot them in the legs. How do you stop somebody who has no respect for the law from carrying a concealed weapon into a building? Do we live our lives behind metal detectors and shields for the rest of our lives? If you look at gun control, it just doesn't work because you cannot have a police officer on every corner. You cannot protect the public to that level. You can't have the army standing on every street corner waiting to shoot somebody who breaks out because it's just so expensive. Those American states who have liberal gun laws and where concealed weapons are allowed to be carried actually have some of the lowest crime rates in the world paradoxical as it may seem. And we'll get onto that in the interview with Philip Alpers shortly because he denies that stringently. But I, I went through this when I was doing the research into Virginia Tech. 
And I found that um, we surveyed US violent crime rates between the years 1960 to 2005. And we took the figures from the FBI's Uniform Crime Report Statistics, or the UCRs, which are a respected yardstick used by criminologists and researchers the world over. Is it true, we wondered back in 2007, that states like Virginia with the most liberal gun laws in the world were also the most crime-ridden? Here's what we found. Overall, the US violent crime rate in 2005 was 469 offences per 100,000 people. That's 469 out of, of 100,000. Now that's the average for violent crime across the entire 50 US states. Now given that much has been made of the US being, quote, a sick, violent society, we wondered how that compared with the New Zealand figures. In contrast, listen to this. New Zealand's violent crime rate, as measured in the official government publication Crime in New Zealand, 1996 to 2005, was 1,180 offences per 100,000 people in 2005. That's right. Gunshy New Zealand has a violent crime rate 250% higher than the United States. Let's look at those rates again. In the USA, violent crime, according to the FBI, 469 offences per 100,000 people. In New Zealand, 1,180 offences per 100,000 people. How could that possibly be? But the comparison gets even worse when compared to the American state of Vermont, which has the most liberal gun laws in the United States. Vermont's violent crime rate in 2005, as measured by the FBI's UCR, was only 119 offences per 100,000 people. I'll read that again. 119 offences per 100,000 people. Compared to New Zealand's 1,180, that's nearly 10 times more in New Zealand violent offences, compared with Vermont, which has the most liberal gun laws in the US. And Vermont's uh, violent crime rate is just one quarter of the US average. Are you starting to see my point? Those American states, which allow people to carry their own weapons concealed, have the lowest violent crime rates. It is a staggering statistical appearance. I, I just look at it and I, uh, my, I throw my arms up and I have this debate with my liberal friends. And I say, but, <laughs> look at the figures. Those states with the most liberal gun laws, where people are allowed to carry weapons to protect themselves, have the lowest violent crime rates. And it makes sense. You know why it makes sense? Because if you have a concealed weapon and somebody attacks you, there's a good chance that as you fall to the ground, you can pull out your weapon and shoot them. Offenders know the risks. And in those states where they, they know that people may be armed, they're less likely to offend. It was the same in New Zealand 40 years ago, when I was a kid. We had a string of uh, suicides and gun accidents because it was still legal in the early 1970s for New Zealanders to have handguns at home. And people often did. But unfortunately they did not store them properly and kids got hold of their parents' guns and they shot each other while playing cowboys and Indians. So there was a massive uh, gun amnesty installed by the uh, Labour government in the 19 early 1970s urging people to hand in their, their weapons. And they did, by the tens of thousands. New Zealanders disarmed. In the early 1970s, there were an average of two or three murders a year in New Zealand. Now there's about 150 a year. The guns have been taken off the streets. People no longer have them at home. Home invasions have gone through the roof. Violent crime has gone through the roof. It's the same story the world over. When we come back, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Philip Alpers. Now, he's the gun policy .org advocate that I interviewed in 2007, and this is the interview that I, I did in 2007 after Virginia Tech, but it's timeless.
the issues we argue about in this interview, you've got to hear them. If you're a believer in gun control, I defy you to listen to this interview and see whether you still believe in gun control at the end of it. We'll be back in just a moment. More stimulating talk radio. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. I'm Ian Wishart. Welcome back. This is Live365.com, the Talking Matters show. Don't forget, later on in the show, we're discussing climate change news, including a new scientific discovery casting some major doubt on the theory of global warming. Uh, Still in science, Google wants to literally get inside your head by merging artificial intelligence with humans to make us quote-unquote godlike. And the VW emissions scandal just got deeper today. Find out which four major car manufacturers have just been caught out, as lawyers suggest Volkswagen owners could be in line for thousands of dollars in compensation. We'll have all the details later in the show. In the meantime... That interview I spoke about a moment ago with Philip Alpers of uh, GunPolicy.org. He's a gun control advocate. I did this interview back in 2007 after the Virginia Tech uh, gun massacre where 32 people died. Uh, We'll come back and discuss uh, some uh, findings subsequent to that uh, interview and that massacre after the interview, but here it is. I just finished watching your um, clip with uh, John Campbell on uh, Campbell Live on TV3. I think it was yesterday. Um, and I'm just doing a piece for the magazine on the whole Virginia Tech thing as it relates to gun violence and stats. Um, and I wanted to get your take on the statistical issue because time and time again, and I'm seeing it in the stats again, the states in the US that have the um, liberal gun laws are the ones with the lowest crime rates. What's the response from gun policy to that? That's only the gun lobby that claim that. The, uh, those studies have been universally... Um, critiqued by you know much more established outfits like uh, Harvard and so on and uh, there's not much credibility to those those report those uh, papers none of them been published in um, or the majority haven't been published in peer-reviewed magazines peer-reviewed journals I'm just looking at some stats on um, state crime rates from the FBI per 100,000 inhabitants in Virginia Vermont for example uh, FBI is listing for 2005 a um, violent crime rate of 119 incidents per 100,000 people. Um, New Zealand's is 1,180 per 100,000. That's 10 times higher. Well, that's a statistical anomaly that I'm sure nobody can account for. If anybody thinks that um, uh, that New Zealand has a violent crime rate, what, what was it, 110 times higher than Vermont? No, 10, 10, 10 times higher. 10 times higher than Vermont, that's um, statistically uh, questionable, let's say. I haven't haven't seen those figures. Okay, well I'm looking at the FBI figures, for example, for Virginia. They're showing a um, violent crime rate of, I think it's just, uh, let me scroll up the screen here. Uh, Which which website are you looking at? I've put them back into a spreadsheet, so I couldn't tell you immediately which website it is, but they're FBI um, statistics for the years 1960 through 2005. You're taking from the, uh, the FBI website they're or from a gun lobby website? No, 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 it's, from a, it's not from a gun lobby website, it's from a statistics website. Uh, and what's that? Do you know what that website is? I would have to go away and find it, but I'm just looking at the crime rates, and, and I will do that again. I've archived no, it. Nothing, nothing like that. I've never seen anything like published in a, in a reputable journal. Well, was anyone... Well, yeah, okay. Um, for example, you Virginia's... Know, statistics can be wildly exaggerated and distorted by anybody who wants to, um, and uh, I, I can't, you know, I can't be expected to comment on something I've never seen. 
Yeah, well, well, okay. Do you see the FBI general state crime statistics? Uh, sometimes I do. I go and look at them. Um, and, uh, yeah, sometimes I've seen those. Yeah, just... I, I probably look at gun homicide more than I look at general violence rates. It, it's very easy to confuse general rates of violence with gun homicide rates or gun suicide rates. Yeah. So I, I suggest you stick to apples and apples um, and just stick with gun injury, not, uh, you know, anything that, all the stuff that doesn't relate to guns. Yeah, I haven't finished my statistical trawl yet, but it occurred to me, for example, because New Zealand's got a very high suicide rate, and... Um it occurs to me that it's just the different weapon of choice. And in the States, I think, as you pointed out, more than half of the um, suicides are firearm-related. Um, uh, no, I don't... Th um, uh, you said that in Campbell Live. No, I don't, uh, no, I don't think I said that. I said that more than half the deaths from gunshot in the United States uh, are suicide. suicides. Yeah, OK. Um, so you, you get this position where the gun, because it's available, is used, but if it wasn't available, they'd do it as they do over here, primarily by hanging or poisoning or that sort of thing. The, that's a well-established academic debate. It's called displacement or substitution. And one recent study came out, it, it looked at 13 separate studies around the world and found that there was very little evidence for substitution or displacement. Yeah. Um, there is, especially in um, youth suicide, there is evidence to, to suggest that impulse youth suicide is affected by the removal, you know, by the, the lessened availability of firearms. And that's because, a, a, you know, a youth who's just lost a girlfriend or, or, um, uh, or failed at an exam or something has perhaps a 20-minute window quite often under the, under the influence of, of drugs or alcohol and has that time in which to make a decision and to find a means of killing themselves. Yep. And if the means available is the most fatal available, the most lethal available, then the completion rate, as we call it, is higher. Uh, in other words, they, they succeed more often. Yeah, they succeed more often. Just going back to that website, it is taken from the FBI's Uniform Crime Reports files for 1960 through 2006. You see, uh, yeah, I look at those occasionally. Yeah, and, 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 what I, and what I was doing, because I'm sensitive to the fact that the gun lobby can use statistics to their own end, I'm also sensitive to the fact that sometimes statistics are misinterpreted on the other side as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and what I wanted to do was sort of, and I do think the relevant test is what's the crime rate like in the states where for example you can carry weapons concealed and so forth and yes but which which crime rate are well, you talking about um, crime rate that does involve guns or crime rate that doesn't involve guns well just I, th I, th I think well you've got this case for example of the town of Kennesaw in um, Georgia oh look that has been so thoroughly rebutted and so uh, well, Reuters, Reuters have uh, just done an interview. Reuters have just, Reuters have just done an interview with the um, local police chief over there, who's saying that, um, uh, if I can just quote, that uh, prior to the enactment of the law back in 1982, Kennesaw had a population of 5,200 people, but a crime rate um, of 4,300 per 100,000. 
Um, the that latest crime rate includes uh, crime rate in yeah, that, that's a, that's a to- windows, no, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that's a total crime rate, 4,332. Well, just let me finish it, and, I'll, and, I'll, and you can comment, because that'll be more relevant. Um, so that was 1981, the year prior to enactment. 2005 stats show the population has grown from 5,200 to 28,000 people. Um, the crime rate, however, has halved. It's now 2,027 crimes per 100,000, and significantly as far as guns are concerned, the um, a local police chief is saying that in 25 years, there has not been, since the town was requiring homeowners to carry a, a gun in the house, there has not been one single incident of a fatal shooting, either uh, where a resident's been involved in a fatal shooting as a victim, attacker, or a defender. Okay, well, I, I think it's clear where you're going, Ian, and I don't want to buy into this. Well, Phil, no, Philip, I'm, this is just I'm about... Standing, this is, I'm standing on a cell phone. I'm not in front of the statistics. I'm not going to... But you said it had been debunked, Philip. No, I, I know... I have read the papers that completely discredit that Kennesaw, Georgia stuff. Well, how... It's, well, one, of the old, it's one of the oldest myths in the gun industry arsenal. Well, how is it? I've just, I've just quoted you the statistics. It's completely nutty for you to suggest that Kennesaw, Georgia, proves that point. Philip, I've just, I've just quoted, I've just, I've just quoted you. Incompletely. Philip, I've just quoted you. Incompletely. I've just quoted you. He's been shot at, tear gassed, mugged, arrested, electrocuted, and almost assassinated. And he still keeps coming back for more punishment. With more lives than a cat, you're listening to Investigate Daily's Ian Wishart on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Please stop interrupting me. And so thoroughly and completely rebutted by very reputable journal, peer-reviewed journal articles, not Reuters, not a... Uh, not a police officer who's trying to justify his tiny little town's policy, but these have been completely rebutted by very reputable studies. Well, name one. Okay, Webster and let me give me your email and I'll email it to you. Yeah, it's uh, Ian at Investigate Magazine. Dot com. Investigate Magazine is all one word. All one word.com. Right. If I can see some figures that actually do show that what you're saying is correct, I'm moving. Right, just Ian at. Yeah. Ian at. at no, no, I, I, I know exactly what you're going to do uh, because I read your magazine. You're going to take your own point of view and you're going to twist everything to that. Now, yep. you can accuse me of that as well. I can accuse the gun lobby of that. But that's what you're doing, and it's clear that you're not being... Well, well, you're, not, you're not going to listen to the other side. Philip, I listen to you on John Campbell and listen to John Campbell not ask any hard questions of you at all. All I'm doing is asking some hard questions, because having looked at the statistics, and as I said, I'm happy to be persuaded otherwise. I really am. But having looked okay, at the, well, at the why, statistics... Why don't you ask me on... Not on the United States... Oh, okay, no, look, you can ask me whatever question you like, far away. Okay, well, what I'm simply saying is this, is that New Zealand's violent crime stats are either three times to ten times higher than the the violent crime stats of American states where guns are allowed to be carried. Why is that? I am not going to allow comparison between apples and pears. It's not apples and pears. Don't interrupt me. If you start talking about 
violent crime rate. That includes people poking each other in the eye in pubs with their fingers. Yeah, but statistically that's the same everywhere. But why are you saying that guns reflect... Why are you well, saying that guns of, have something to do with people poking each other in the eye with fingers? Well, you and I both know that the majority of crimes are not people poking their own, people poking each other in the eye with fingers. However, what, one of the arguments... One, what, yeah, but one, one of the arguments... Right. Yeah, but now it's... My point. My, hang, Philip, a very, very small proportion of, quote, violent crime. Yeah, Philip, my, So if you're quoting violent crime figures, you're not talking about guns. One of, no, one, Philip, Philip, one, kicking each other. you're interrupting me now. One of the points that I'm trying to question you about is this, that the gun lobby will say that in those states where people are allowed to carry guns, concealed weapons, the crime rate overall is lower because people, criminals, don't like to take their chances not knowing whether the victim or a potential victim is going to shoot them. And therefore the violent crime rate... Okay, sorry, go so, on. Yeah, so therefore the violent crime rate in those states on the FBI's own figures, the Uniform Crime Reports, is showing a huge difference in crime rates between states where guns are banned and states where guns are allowed. And it's negative. And New Zealand, for example, far exceeds the crime rate of, of, the, of the United States overall in terms of violent crime um, uh, rates. So I'm okay. kind of curious as to how this is, if, if, if the logic of of, um, for example, gun policy is correct. I'm not going to compare violent crime rates with anything that suggests that guns affect violent crime rates. Why? Because it's like, it's like saying that uh, pedestrians somehow affect... Uh, no, look, I'm not going to draw analogies. It's, it is not logical to say that a tiny, tiny, tiny proportion of crime, in other words, gun crime, affects all violent crime. Well, it's, and it's, the gun lobby regularly use this as a tactic. It's apples and pears. Violent crime is not the same as gun homicide or gun suicide. They are subcategories of each other. And if you want me to compare stuff, then you have to stick to gun-related crime and gun-related results. You see what I'm getting at? There's no, there's it's, no point it's, it's a saying thing. that somehow the road toll affects the infant mortality rate. No, but the speed limit might affect the road toll. More stimulating talk radio. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. What I'm saying to you, Philip, is very simple. The argument is that yeah, criminals... Well, that's the criminals point, I guess. Yeah, the, what you're saying is what you're going to print, and you're, you're, you're happy to, I'm happy to let you print that. You go ahead and print it. But all you're going to say, I mean... If, if Don't you, expect if, me to jump into and, and just swallow what you're saying. Well, rebut it with some science. I'm happy to send you that. Um, there's, for instance, there's a... Uh, in America, right the way... You know, all of these small studies came out, and then bigger studies came out, but the John Lots and so on brought out their small studies, which are largely not in peer-reviewed journals. And then the Yales and the Harvards and the Johns Hopkins and so on brought out their studies. And then all of it went up, right up the, the, the line, to a... Uh, a National Council of Science in the United States. And that National Council of Science looked at all of these things and brought out a report. So I'll send you a copy of that or a bit of that, and that can, with any luck, um, bring you down a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, as I said, I'm not working from any obscure statistics. These are FBI and New Zealand police crime statistics. So they're they, yes, but they're, what you're doing is apples and pears. How? You're, How? you're talking about violent. Yeah, but crime. The, yeah, but Philip, the argument that I've just I'm, given you is I'm not interested in violent crime. If you're going to ring up and talk to me about gun deaths. That's fine. Okay, so you so you would agree. With, so you would be suggesting to me then that there is a difference between criminals using guns and householders having guns for self-defence. There is. There seems to be very little relation between a gun crime rate and a violent crime rate, um, and I think that's that's a, a good example is Japan, where guns are virtually unused. They're very, very rare. They have much the same violent crime rate as everywhere else, just as New Zealand has much the same violent crime rate as the United States. Well, it doesn't. New, Ze New Zealand has... Violent crime. On, the FBI, about guns. on the FBI figures, New Zealand has more than double the violent crime rate of the US overall. Print that. That's fine. But you've got no response to it. I, I, I have. I don't. I haven't seen those figures. They're not in front of me. I'm on a cell phone. Um, you know, you you've called me and expect me to give you. Um, no, look, th this is insane. It's an absurd. And I can see now how you get your articles. Your technique is pretty, pretty um, unusual. Philip, you make your living from being a gun policy advocate. You are a PR person who is putting this case every single day and I'm simply asking some hard questions and you can't answer them. I'm happy for you to give me questions and I'll send you stuff in the email. Okay. Um, I will email you yep. um, some of these specific figures and I will explain to you in the email as to why they are relevant and uh, to me it's patently obvious and it's a simple thing. I mean if there is some rational argument as to why these things are not relevant I'm happy to hear it but I think that if the, no, gun, if, if, that if, if the gun debate, Philip, is being um, discussed by um, media types and restricted to this narrow little area that you've got it restricted to and it's not looking at the wider issue which is really that guns def defend people from crime and you say, well, I'm not wanting, not wanting to look at that because it doesn't fit my analysis, then there's no, there's, there's no intelligent debate going on. I don't say that I'm... Uh, you, you're putting words in my mouth and I'm not going to accept that. Fine, well, correct me. I don't need to. Uh, you're going to print what you want to print and who cares, really? Well, 100,000 readers, I suppose. Up to you. Okay. You're listening to Talking Matters, the Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com, stimulating talk radio. Okay, so you've heard Philip Alper's uh, comments in 2007 regarding gun crime. The um, We did email from Investigate Magazine the full statistics across to uh, Philip Alper's, and in return he sent back links to studies that he suggested would debunk our line of questioning. Unfortunately, they didn't. And the reason for that was their focus. Alpers, as you recall from the interview, did not want to discuss the proven facts that states with higher gun ownership have lower violent crime rates. As you saw in the interview, he wanted to focus only on gun crimes as the basis for comparison. Now, in this regard, Alpers and other gun control advocates are entirely correct. The evidence clearly shows that states with higher gun ownership have a higher level of gun-related incidents. Not necessarily crimes, but certainly gun-related incidents. But as Alpers also admits, gun crime actually makes up only, quote, a tiny, tiny, tiny proportion of crime. 
Elpers wants people to be sufficiently outraged about a tiny, tiny, tiny proportion of crime to the extent that all guns are banned or at least tightly controlled by the government. This is important. This is really important because this is why the two uh, sides in the gun debate never meet up. The gun control lobbyists like Philip Elpers want to restrict debate to actual gun crime, whereas the people who say guns reduce crime take a holistic view of the entire crime rate and say, clearly in states where people are allowed to carry guns, there are much lower crime rates overall, so more people benefit. And I guess the example of that is that uh, if there's an increased risk that burgling a house will get you shot, will a criminal take that risk? If there's an increased risk that a potential mugging victim will grab a concealed gun and shoot his or her attackers, will a criminal take that risk? In Vermont, where there are virtually no restrictions on the ownership of Glock, semi-automatic pistols and other handguns, the figures appear to speak for themselves. A violent crime rate, as I mentioned earlier, of 119 offences per 100,000 people, compared to California's gun-restricted 524 offences per 100,000. The most tightly controlled uh, gun area in the whole United States is Washington, D.C., with a total ban on ownership of and carrying of guns. You'd expect this violent crime rate to be low if that was the case. Well, in 2005, which was just when I did the uh, figures on uh, the uh, Virginia Tech story, it was 1,459 offences per 100,000 people. That's 1,459 violent offences per 100,000 population. Now remember, New Zealand's violent crime rate at 1,180 per 100k is only marginally less than the mean streets of Washington, D.C. Auckland City's crime rate is 1,236 for 2005. Uh, the Manukau, South Auckland Police District's violent crime rate is 1,621 violent crimes per 100,000 people. In other words, 1,621 per 100,000. In other words, for the vast majority of people in terms of their crime experiences, Manukau City in South Auckland is actually a more dangerous place than Washington, D.C. Think about that for a moment. Neither Manukau nor Washington, D.C. allow you to carry a concealed handgun, whereas Virginia, where concealed weapons are common except on the university campus, has a violent crime rate of only 282 offences per 100,000 people. That's roughly only one-sixth the rate of Manukau City. So expressed another way, you are between 6 and 14 times more likely to be mugged in Manukau than you are in gun-happy Virginia or Vermont, USA. That's the story of gun control. When guns are controlled, violent crime goes up. That's what the statistics tell us. It is clear. You've heard the interview. You can make up your own mind. Coming up on the show, a roundup of the latest climate change news, including that uh, new scientific discovery casting some major doubt on the theory of global warming. We have uh, Google wanting to get inside your head and make you godlike, and the VW emissions scandal just got deeper. Find out which other four major car manufacturers have just been caught out. This is uh, Talking Matters, the Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Stay with us.
Imagine a world where TV reporters actually gave you the facts, not an agenda. A world where interviewing your keyboard was seen as workplace humor, not a compulsory job requirement. This year, one man will break through the BS. One man will wring the truth out of truthiness. One man will leap tall buildings at a single... More stimulating talk radio. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Welcome back. This is Talking Matters. I'm Ian Wishart on Live365.com. You can listen to us on uh, iTunes. It's a podcast or on uh, Live365.com as well or on our website, InvestigateDaily.com. You can uh, download a link to us there, follow our podcast as well. Uh, touching on the final stories in our show today, the um, I promised to look at climate science. There's a uh, fascinating story that emerged this week. Global cooling discovery may scupper Paris climate talks. And um, this is a, a story in the... Uh, uh, in the media over the weekend. Scientists have discovered a hitherto unknown cooling process which may pose a serious threat to man-made global warming theory, writes James Dellingpole. According to a study by the Institute of Catalysis and Environment in Lyon uh, and the Leibniz Institute for Tropospheric Research, the oceans are producing unexpectedly large quantities of a chemical known as isoprene, a volatile organic compound which is known to have a cooling effect on climate. Now, isoprene is a gas that is formed by both the vegetation and the oceans, it's very important for the climate because this gas can form particles that can become clouds and then later affect temperature and rainfall. Previously, it was assumed that isoprene is primarily caused by biological processes from plankton in the seawater. Uh, but the atmospheric chemists from France and Germany, however, could now show that isoprene can also be formed without biological sources in the surface film of the oceans by sunlight. And this may explain the large discrepancy between field measurements and climate models. The newly identified photochemical reaction is therefore important to improve the uh, climate models. This is a significant thing because it shows that uh, the planet has means and uh, at its ability to be able to cool itself in response to warming um, passages. And you'd expect this in a planet that's been around for four and a half billion years. You'd expect this as we discover more and more natural cycles taking the Earth in and out of cold and warm periods. So the discovery that the oceans can help cool the climate down is highly relevant, I would have thought, to the global warming theory. Um, so if you want to debate that, debate it with us on our Facebook page as well. Uh, we, last week, of course, we talked, looked at the uh, climate documentary Thin Ice, which was a sham in my view, and I uh, posted a review on that on InvestigateDaily.com. You can read that uh, too. The other uh, story um, that's uh, in the news that's interesting as well is a senior Google executive is comparing Google to God and reckons that uh, Google is working on um, uh, artificial intelligence that will effectively merge humanity with artificial intelligence and create people with godlike powers. Have a listen to this. We're going to add additional levels of abstraction and create more profound means of expression. So we're going to be more musical, we're going to be funnier, we're going to be sexier, we're going to be better at expressing loving sentiments. That's my vision of what we'll do with AI. Evolution creates structures and patterns that over time are more complicated, more knowledgeable, more intelligent, more creative, more capable of expressing higher sentiments like being loving. So it's moving in the direction that God has been described as having these qualities without limit. And so I think evolution is a spiritual process and makes us more godlike. And there is uh, beauty and love and creativity and intelligence in the world. It all comes from the neocortex. 
Um, and we're going to be able to expand the neocortex as I described. So we're going to become more godlike. That's Google's Raymond Kurzweil uh, speaking to the Huffington Post. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't really trust Google further than I could throw them. Uh, seriously, guys, do you want to, a company that believes it can create godlike humans um, running your life? That's what they intend to do. But uh, you can make up of your own mind what that means. Finally tonight. Uh, it's not just VW. Official testing claims four more diesel car giants are breaking the toxic emissions limits. Four major car manufacturers have been dragged into the Volkswagen diesel emissions scandal today after government-funded research in Britain revealed that their engines are emitting toxic fumes at up to seven times the legal limit. Which car manufacturers are these? Well, British researchers tested hundreds of new diesel cars on UK roads and found that popular brands including BMW, Ford, Mazda and Mercedes, as well as Volkswagen and Audi, all emitted levels of nitrogen oxides far higher than the limits required to pass European tests. Last night, the researchers said the huge discrepancy between real-world diesel emissions and the legal limits set by the European Commission are extremely concerning and suggest that Volkswagen is not alone in finding ways to pass laboratory tests. So just repeating that, BMW, Ford, Mazda, Mercedes, Volkswagen and Audi all now implicated in this uh, diesel emissions falsifying scandal. Dr. James Tate, lecturer and researcher at the Institute for Transport Studies at Leeds University, says, quote, The surprising finding for us is that even the Volkswagen engines were polluting 35% less than other comparable cars, suggesting all manufacturers have found their own ways of passing the laboratory tests. We found small city diesel cars are emitting more than double-decker buses or fully laden 40-ton articulated lorries. So the next time you drive past somebody, a little eco-tourist driving a little uh, eco-diesel, around town, a Volkswagen, an Audi, a BMW, a Mercedes, a Mazda or a Ford, uh, you can um, give them the proverbial fingers and tell them they're polluters. Can you imagine how one of those little cars is emitting more diesel fumes into the environment than a double-decker bus? Or a fully laden 40-ton articulated truck? Uh, says Dr James Tate, this is big business for car manufacturers. It lets them sell tax-friendly, powerful luxury cars with supposedly low emission levels and make higher profits. It's called greenwashing, folks. You've been taken for a ride by people... Uh, sucking up to this whole climate change bandwagon. You've been sucked in big time. You've spent thousands and thousands of dollars thinking you're doing the right thing on buying eco-friendly cars. It turns out the manufacturers have been laughing all the way to the bank. They have been ripping you off blind because you've been driving around polluting vehicles, whereas those of us driving petrol cars have actually been less harmful on the environment than you have. Uh, go figure. BMW, Ford, Audi, Volkswagen, Mazda, Mercedes. Incredible. That's our show for today. This is uh, Talking Matters on Live365.com. I'm Ian Wishart. A pleasure to have your company. We'll be back again uh, for the next episode. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on Investigate Magazine or InvestigateDaily.com. And uh, we'll see you again. Thanks for your time. He's been shot at, tear gassed, mugged, arrested, electrocuted, and almost assassinated. And he still keeps coming back for more punishment. With more lives than a cat, you're listening to Investigate Daily's Ian Wishart on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups.